Welcome back, everybody. Today with me, special guest, longtime friend, longtime fantasy general manager, Mr. Chris Holmes, aka PXP from the Capwise Universe. Chris, what's up, man? Not much. Let's start off with uh, let's start off with your your fantasy journey. When did that start? When did you start playing fantasy hockey? Ooh, twenty years ago. Was that with the Montreal Sports uh, Montreal Hockey Pool? That was the first one. Yeah, the one I'm trying to get you back into. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, you, you got me into that one. You uh, you helped me out, got me started in the dynasty uh, fantasy leagues. But then uh, I saved you and I brought you aboard the Capwise ship. Come on, there's no place to play like Capwise, right? I actually, I really like Capwise. I just wish some of them were bigger. <laughs> like I wish there was like a two hundred dollar league. There was a couple of guys who were interested in that a while ago, a, a bigger league. I was trying to, trying to convince James, James, I think, last year. Oh, why don't you make one for like 200? I mean, you take the top uh, 14 committed GMs in Capwise. And I mean, the worry, I guess, with a, a bigger uh, entry fee would be that if a team goes AWOL or a team decides to leave, replace, replacing it is a lot harder. But I think, I think you could find 14 GMs in Capwise that. Uh, they're not going anywhere, and they'd be willing to pay a little bit more for a bigger payout. Yeah, but then you got one guy like my brother who's going to come in and then run away next year. <laughs> uh, good point. <laughs> after, after he demolishes the team, he's going to take off. I didn't see that, but from what I heard from your, you and your brother, that's uh, pretty much what he did. Well, he had uh, he had uh, life opportunities come up, so he had to take a step. I, I understand why he did it completely. Yeah. Can't fault a guy for that. Uh when you started in the Montreal Points Pool, you, there there was two leagues. There was the Rotisserie League and the Straight Points Pool. Were you in both? I'm still in both. I started with the Points Pool, and then the next year was the Rotisserie League. How many times have you cashed? A lot. What's a lot? I don't know. Thirteen. Thirteen times? Yeah. Thirteen out of 40 seasons, basically. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty awesome. That's a 30% or percent of the time you're... You're making money. That can't be. I wanted the first four years straight. Uh, three years straight. You wanted the first three? First three, yeah. Lee's won three. I know Lee's won three. And all re- just recently. Mm-hmm. He won uh, three out of the last five years. I won one, and this other guy, Slapshots, won one. Ah, uh, Pat. Yeah. A lot of the same guys in that pool? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Well, this year we, because of the two last years for COVID, it was just pretty much a straight uh, snake draft. But this year we're going back to our original format, which was um, an auction. But you get eight keepers, and now my other one went up to ten. The Rotisserie, yeah. up to ten keepers. Yeah, well, that's good. It is, and it isn't. What's not good about it? It's almost impossible, because there's a lot of rules on trading, so it's very hard to get players worth keeping. Okay. Like, you're literally only allowed to trade one for one. Oh, really? So, say somebody has Jason Roberts, cheap. Well, what are you going to give them to take him him away? True. Because who's going to give away a dollar player at, uh, who's going to get 70 points? I know for what in return a hundred dollar player that's going to get a hundred points. Exactly. Yeah. 
that one, uh, there's a lot of rules to the trading. It has to be one for one. Uh, you're only allowed, uh, I think it's five trades per year. Really? But at the time, the guy, the guy that runs the league was getting married, starting a new business. Well, not starting a new business, taking over his father's business and all this stuff. So he really didn't have time. So I think he honestly put the cap on the trades for that. Well, that makes sense too, man. So you're pretty sick in that pool. How come it's not translating over to CapWise? What's the story? <gasps> Give me time. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, to give you props, you did cash in the first uh, the first team you took from the ground up. So from a guy who who's actually played both formats and actually continues to play both formats, the, the straight points and the rotisserie league, uh, which one do you prefer? Well, the rotisserie is actually a lot more challenging. Clearly, yeah, for sure. What I like, I like the auction thing because I, I like that about the other leagues. That's what draws me to them is the auction. Why? That's the fact that it's a, a live auction and you do it with people. Yeah. yeah. I remember those, those were the best times, man. Going to the auction draft, fucking laugh your ass off. Is Pipe, right. is, is Pipe and Greg still there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like a perfect example is, uh, what, I think it was four years ago in uh, the Chris, the Chris pool, the points pool. Mm-hmm. I think it was Chara's last year in Boston. I had Chara rated as zero dollars. In my mind, he was rich. It's a okay. point pool. What is he good for? Okay. And I watched three uh, three GMs bring him up to $40. On a $300 cap, right? $300 cap for 20 players. Yeah. They brought it up to $40 on Jara. Who got stuck with him? Actually, a friend of mine, Lambro, a guy I used to work with. I remember we were, uh, you know, that's how it worked, right? You'd call out a guy's name. Uh, you'd say... Uh, Brodeur for a dollar, and then someone would say two dollars, three dollars, four dollars, until it went up to whatever price it's got. And a, a lot of guys at the beginning of the draft, they would be like, they would throw Crosby out, but they wouldn't throw a Crosby out at a dollar. They just start him off at eighty, you know, Crosby eighty bucks, and then we go from there. And so I remember one time, uh, Puking Dogs. I remember he uh, threw out, I think it was Brodeur's last year in the NHL. I don't know. He started. He threw out Brodeur fifty bucks. And it was just crickets, man. Yeah, it happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, he had to eat them for 50 bucks. It happens all the time. Well, that's part of my strategy. I call little players when I go in there that, okay, yes, obviously I want them. But I don't want them at the price they're going to go for. That's it. Like, uh, the first person I'll call out is Crosby, uh, McDavid. Get the people to spend their money. McDavid, he goes for $140. Is that the highest player you've seen in, in the history of uh, of this pool? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, Crosby in his prime was up there, too. I, I don't know if I've seen over, like, 120. I remember Crosby one year was 120. But, yeah, you, you're getting – like, you're almost at 140. It's half your cap, basically. You're, you still got 19 players to go with half your cap gone. Well, the only way you do that is if you have you, you came in with a stellar keeper list at a dollar, you know? Or even then, why are you going to get Crosby, well, or sorry, McDavid, at $150 and you have eight keepers? So that means you still got 12 people to get. What, you're going to go $10 a player? You can't. So, so in what scenario do you pay that much for a player? Me, never. 
Yeah, me too. Never, <laughs> not in a million years. It makes no sense. A perfect example, uh, Baba. Okay. Another guy that's in the point was in the points pool with us. Yep. Yesterday he was talking to me about his keepers, and he turns around and he tells me, "I can't decide whether I'm going to keep Vincent Trocheck at fifteen dollars, or if I'm going to keep Joel Farabee at a buck." And he lists the rest of his keepers. Okay. So I say, oh, I'd, I'd probably go with Trocheck. He's more, uh, I go, Faraby shows, uh, but that team's going to be a tire fire. Yeah. This is in the points pool? Yeah, in the points pool. Right. But afterwards, I get home, I look at my team, I happen to glance at his team, and he has Rupe Hints at a dollar. And he's he not keeping. He wasn't listed as one of his keepers. Oof. Sounds like you got some stiff competition in that league, Chris. I called him up, I tell him, you're thinking about uh, keeping Rupe, uh, Joel Faraby or Vincent Trocek are the two guys you're contemplating keeping. Which one of them two? What about uh, Rupe Inns? Oh, what does Rupe Inns get? 30 points. That was his answer. And then we're talking about Bubba, right? Yes. Okay, so I don't understand. Like, the, the whole story doesn't make sense because it's Bubba. Like, he, sh- I, in my mind, in my mind, that is not a mistake he makes. No, but that's also, this is Urs. This is what? Urs doing his research now. Okay. Like, you give it another two weeks, he'll start researching for the pool. Now, he doesn't. For the last two years, the pool didn't exist. We did a straight points pool uh, by a snake draft. Oh, he didn't. He, he went there with his uh, list of the top 20 scorers from the year before, and that was it. <laughs> okay. I'm glad that none of the guys in that pool are here to hear this. Hey, you never know, man. This this podcast has a very wide reach. <laughs> what are you up to? Seven? <laughs> yeah. You had seven guests and seven people that listen. <laughs> hey, man, that's how I get listeners. I get them to come on. <laughs> okay, so which do you prefer in the end, man? Rotis? Yeah, it's got to be Rotis, right? Yes, definitely. It's more challenging. So... Rotes beats out the points pool. Where does Capoys rank in there? Well, in, in entertainment, Rotes beats out the uh, points pool. Right. And in, in that entertainment, this one beats out the Rotes. Fuck, hundred percent. So listen, we're getting to the uh, we're getting to the reentry drafts here. Uh, Capoys, we wrapped up our amateur drafts, and so the reentry drafts are on their way. You got seven teams. How do you prepare for that? Well, I look at who's available in each one, what positions I need, and that's what I go after. Yeah, okay. Simple <laughs> enough. It's pretty straightforward. The first thing I go through is, okay, well, I check if I need a goalie because they're usually the first off the board. Then I check if uh, defense, but I'm going to pick them up later on anyway. But then I go through all my forwards that are on my team, and I mark down how many are available at each position. Because, you know, like three guys, uh, some players are available at three positions. Yeah. They're available at one. Some they're mm-hmm. available at two. Mm-hmm. I write down, okay, left wings, right wing centers, and say six centers, four right wings, two left wings. I know I got to aim for a left wing. And hopefully, I try to get a left wing that also fits into another category. Yeah, those dual eligible players, they're, uh, they're gold. Well, I think... I. Think it's one league that I 
almost every player I have, except for my centers, are dual eligible. It's insane. I mean, in cap wise, I did the I did the research a little while ago. I mean, when it comes to dual eligible players, the number one benefit of that, of course, is you can slot guys into different positions, and you don't have to sit anybody that's actually playing. Yeah. Uh, and I noticed uh, in cap wise, I think it was last year uh, for the, the season that finished last year. Uh, I think nine of the ten teams that ended up winning were either first or second in the league in games played. I mean, that's not a coincidence. Makes sense. You know, you really have to pay attention to games played. That For me, that's like the number one thing to pay attention to. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes 100% sense. If you're getting an extra 20 games, that's an extra 20 points of size. Extra 20 games of size. Exactly. If you look at that statistic, uh, the top teams will have the most games played and the bottom teams will have the least games played. And the difference between the top spot and the 14th spot could be a couple of hundred games. Yes. It's ridiculous. Well, that, see, that, that actually, because this is the first time where I actually have position. This is the first pool where I have position. Before, it was always just forward. That's where I kind of screwed up with my pools the first two years. Really? Yeah. Just reverting back to that way of thinking. Okay, yeah. And then I'd, I'd get to a, a day and I'd have like five guys sitting out. And then the next day I'd have three guys playing. Because I didn't go after, like, I'd go after dual ed- eligible, but there's also the team makes a big difference too. Well, for uh, sure. Especially with the plus minus two, man. I, honestly, I don't think I've ever made any decision on a player based on plus minus. You can't. You can't. You can't because that is so all over the board. A guy could be plus 40 this year and then uh, plus seven next. Yeah. Plus minus is pretty much a lucky stat. Well, uh, yes, okay, you're going to pick from the be- from the better team. Yes. But if you go and you get a, a Chicago player or uh, a Montreal player this year, <laughs> you might have to get four good good players on good teams just to make up for how bad they are. In the plus minus. <laughs> yeah, that's not a joke. That's not a joke. That's why I, I just don't look at it. I don't care. I, you know. Actually, pretty much something I don't pay attention to either. Especially in a dynasty format where you're going to sign a player on a great contract no matter what team he's on because you're looking at three, four, five, six years down the road. And five, six years down the road, that could, team could be one of the powerhouses. Exactly. You know, that minus 15 guy could be getting a plus 20. Okay, so. Going into the entry drafts, do you you have a lot of high picks? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Except for the one the one league that I needed in the most, the G. I need I need a goalie there, and I think my best pick is like fourteen. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not good, man. Who are your other two goalies? Do you know? Uh, I have Mike Smith in my lineup right now, hoping that he retires. Get off my lawn, you pesky kids! Okay. <laughs> but that's the guy I need to replace. I got Billy Huso and Reimer. Okay. Well, uh, you could pick up a third, I'm sure. Uh, there'll be, there'll be a backup available maybe at 14. Yes, but like I need a bona fide star. Is that team, uh, is that team close? No, no, that one's still a bit off. Okay. So let's say, I don't know about you, but I think that probably the top three goalies that are most, uh, readily available in leagues are, Gorgiev, uh, Kemper, and 
Flurry. Gorgiev, Kemp, Kemper, and Campbell. Well, Flurry's available too. Flurry's available too. You 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 put you put him in that. Uh, you put him ahead of any of those guys on your list. For the team he plays with, he's pretty close. And the contract being just two years. Exactly. Like he he plays with a good team. They're good defensively, and they can score. Okay, so throw throw Flurry in there. So we got those four goaltenders, uh, probably most widely coveted. How do you rank them? Ooh, I'd probably put Gorgiev as my last because but, he 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 could be he could end up splitting time. Yeah, Flurry Flurry is their number one. I put him uh, second last. Kemper's first. Campbell uh, Campbell second. Kemper first. You like Washington's uh, season better than you do uh, Edmonton's, or it's the goalie itself? It's the goalie himself. Really? Yeah. Kemper played for Arizona, and he had decent numbers. Not last year, but a couple of years. If you can play for Arizona and and have decent numbers, you're going to have decent numbers on a good team. I I don't think Washington's as good as they were last year or anything like that, but they're still a decent team. And if you could put up good numbers in Arizona, you could yeah. put up good numbers anywhere. And, and how do you how are you seeing Campbell? Campbell, I saw a little inconsistency last year. That's the only re- reason that I put Kemper above him. Okay, but having he's good, he's good, but he also there's times where he's not good. <laughs> if he goes on a cold streak. He could lose you two weeks in a row. All right. So how about this? Carey Price Hall of Fame. Not a chance. Okay, let's look at let's let's look at this objective. He's gonna make. He is gonna end up in the Hall of Fame. Do I think he deserves it? No. Are you being objective here? Because on the site, I do it just to bother you. Right. But right now, I'm telling you honestly, I don't think he deserves it. Okay. Why? Why? Because he has proven nothing. Okay. He came into the league. If you ever heard any commentator, any sports analyst, any anything, whenever they would talk about goalies, they would bring up all the Wongo, this, that, that, and everybody would always shoot them down. You can't say he's the best goalie in hockey. He's never won a cup. That changed the day Carey Price came into the league. It changed. Oh, no, he's the best goalie. Why? He's proven nothing. Okay. The first four years in the four out of the first four out of five seasons in the NHL, I think he was detrimental to his team in the playoffs. Really? Yes, he was horrible. He the first fucking beach ball. Well, I, I don't have a good recall on that. He lost his job to what? Halak. He lost his job. He lost his job to like three goalies in the playoffs. Who were the other two? I think Theodore. Were they even together? I, I'm, I'm not even sure. I know he lost his job twice in the playoffs. At least I remember but, twice. But you see, you just else. said. You, but, but the thing, see, that's the thing. You just said three times because you're you're very uh, you're such an exaggerator when it comes to Carey Price and Canadians' issues. You can't say three. You, you oh, just. Do you know what it is? Because I don't want to watch them. <laughs> I don't watch anything they do. 
You know, I have a I have a picture here in the house of you when you were like nine or ten years old. I think you're going for Halloween. You were dressed as a Habs player, man. What happened? I've been the Canadians, I guess, I guess, because I didn't start hating the Habs until they started completely disrespecting their fans. In what way? Uh, because back, well, we're talking back, I can't remember when, but they would always be, there was a few years where they were like two, maybe three, three years old, uh, players away from making a serious run at the cup. And they didn't care in any way, shape or form. They would just say, okay, no, we'll stick with what we have because we're going to sell out anyway. They never got players. They, well, never, look. they never made a run for their fans. Well, listen, if you're talking about two, three players away, I think the majority of teams are two or three players away. That's still a ways away. There's not much you can you, – you can't go out and magically grab three players. Not everybody is like Brad Trey Living. you got to do it once. No, I'm not, I'm not talking go and get the play. I'm talking rental to make a serious run for the playoffs. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't – at what point do you think we were at a, in a position to uh, mortgage the future – to capitalize on what they had at them at that moment. When was this? Because I was young when I started hating the Habs. I was like 15, 14, like that. Well, what about when they went out and got Camilleri, uh, Gianta, and who was the other guy they went to get? Back to the blue line, Campoli. Across. Comes to Gomez. He fires. He scores. Scott Gomez ends the drought. One year and three days since his last goal. They they went and got Eric Cole. I mean, they tried to make some moves, I think. They were just run so badly. I think, I think you're just a contrarian to this. I think you secretly love oh. the Habs. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's why I'll watch an Arizona game before I watch the Canadians game. What do you think of the Arizona Coyotes at that arena? <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> You know, I don't know. The way uh, I'm trying to see it in a good light, I think, first of all, I think that the city can't support a hockey team, that's for sure. But I'm also thinking that this might not be a terrible move. What you could end up doing, I think the dream would be that you bring this team to the kids. You bring this team to where sports in the U.S., first of all, is huge in, in schools, correct? Yes, 100%. Yeah, so you bring it into the school. And you create fans. You know, they weren't getting the fans. This is the problem. They don't have enough fans, enough people to buy merchandise, to come to the games, to watch fucking watch it on television. When you go and you put it in front of kids, then you might be creating uh, a whole demographic of new fans. Yeah, I can understand that. But with doing that, are you going to be able to survive the years for that fan base to grow into, to grow up? Well, that's the, that's the question, right? But, uh, I mean, I think whatever they have been doing for how many years they've been there, it's not working. So I know this looks like a step back, a step down. Definitely it is playing in front of 5,000 people, of course. But I think you can look, look at it through a positive lens. and it, it might actually be something that works in their favor in the long term. Yes, if, if they end up staying there. Yeah. I think sooner or later they up. Can you imagine what the ambiance is going to be like for an NHL game inside that 5,000-seat arena? Oh, it's going to be chaos. It's going to be madness. It's going to be chaos. All these kids are going to come, and not only 
not only the Arizona team, but they're going to see all the star players, man, up close and personal. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. I would love to have a ticket in that barn. Yeah, no, that would, it would be great to watch. Yeah. Okay, Chris, I think that's it, man. I think we're good. Well, and if any capitalized uh, GMs in Montreal are interested in any of those other pools, let me know. I'll see if I can get you in. Okay, cool. Yeah, we got some uh, we got some guys from Montreal, so you never know. Well, I, have, I, I have somebody that lives like four blocks from here, I think. Yeah, small world. I think we're uh, five or six guys uh, from this area. And actually, this year would probably be the best year to come in for the points pool because after I pick my keepers from my team, the rest of my players go into a pool for the new guys to pick from. Yeah, an expansion draft. Yes, and I'm going in there with three starting goalies. I can't. I'm not keeping all three. I'm keeping Sherkin, and I have Merzlikin, and I have Samsonov, all under $10. Who are you letting go? I'm keeping. I'm keeping uh, stricken. You can only keep one. I could keep two, but who do I throw back in? Jason Roberts to keep. Uh, Sam okay. So okay. So just so that everyone uh, who's think who might think this is a good idea for them, I think you should throw the price tag out there. Oh, that one is three hundred. Well, actually, both are three hundred. All right, Chris. Uh, we're about to run out of time here. Thanks for coming on today, man. I really appreciate it. Okay, yeah, not a problem, man. I just want to point out that uh, Gary Price. From Wilson. There's a basket. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible stop by Gary Price. You must be kidding me. He's probably the most overrated goalie. Here's Casey coming in the pass. In the history of hockey. Here's the chance for looking at Bob Stars. What a stop by Carey Price. All right, Chris, thanks. Detrimental to the Canadians. Gonna be sick, ladies and gentlemen. He's, he's, if he's not injured, he's back, except for one year. Le nouveau défenseur du record avec 315 victoires. New record holder with 315 wins. Le numéro 31. Number 31. Carey Price. Okay, Chris, I gotta, I gotta cut you off. <laughs> All right, you're my Randy. <laughs> Later, man. Ciao. Oh.